Phil Mackey. Has made an <laughs> entire <laughs> living acting like a moron. <laughs> Judd Zolgad. I like dogs more than kids, okay? <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Derek Wetmore in the house from the Touch 'Em All podcast, one of the top ten Twins podcasts for sure in the Twin Cities. It's climbing the charts. Careful, it's climbing the charts. Wow, top, you guys got the top ten. Top good. Tw- maybe top twenty. Top twenty of Twins in Minneapolis, St. Paul, somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in that range. Uh, you can find our Touch 'Em All podcast. It's a weekly Twins conversation. Fifteen hundred ESPN dot com, iTunes, Podcast One, our podcast partners. And uh, Derek also covers the Twins in written form videos on 1500ESPN.com. Okay, gentlemen, here it is. I have two different contract scenarios for you. It's it's all the rage the last 10 years to look at young stud players, particularly position players who are a little bit less susceptible to the career-altering injury, the Tommy John surgery that would just wipe out your career arc. Uh, the the Francisco Lindor, they, I think they've been trying to lock him up. Evan Longoria signed one of these very team-friendly deals. The Twins did it with Denard Span. Who says no between Miguel Sano and the Twins? And I have two offers for you. So he has four years of team control left. He's 23 years old. He's set to be a free agent in 2022, around the age of 27. And just for reference, the the largest... Pre-free agent contract right now. So a contract that a guy signed before being a free agent that bought out free agent years. Will Myers with the Padres, six years, $83 million, $13 million a year. Who says no on contract number one, okay? Ten years, $250 million on the table right now. Progressively uh, more salary as you go along. You wouldn't pay him $25 million out of the gate right away. You would, you'd grow it. So you'd sign him through his age 33 season, and you'd buy out a handful of years of free agency, but you'd give him $250 million guaranteed. Who says no right now? So no are the Twins. Are you scared if you're the Twins to offer something that long-term for a guy who has had some questions in the past about his work ethic and his weight and all this kind of thing? Are you concerned about that, either of you two? I will answer the question. Miguel says no. Okay, wow. If I'm the snow camp... I'm banking on because here's the here's my predicament right now. If you come to me with that contract, it goes back to the guy that we brought up earlier in the show. I want to see what Bryce Harper gets. Yep. I I want him to set the market for my future. So, so I, I say no if I'm Sano. I can tell you what Bryce Harper's agency is going to ask for. The largest bulk contract in baseball right now is Giancarlo Stanton, $325 million over 13 years. There are five players who make more than $30 million a year. He's not one of them because it's a 13-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, David Price, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Grinke, and Max Scherzer. Grinke makes $34 million per year, so he's the highest-paid average annual value guy in the league. Because Bryce Harper will be a free agent when he's 26, meaning inst- a lot of these guys hit free agency when they're 29 or 30, and then you're going to have to get into these dicey years when they're 37, 38 years old. If I'm Bryce Harper's agency, I'm asking for records in both those categories. Yep. More than $34 million a year to be the highest paid player in baseball and more than $325 million. I think we're talking about $40 million a year over 10 years yeah. for a $400 million contract. 
At least asking, right? I think a team might give him that. It's possible. The Yankees, the Dodgers. I still feel like in all sports, and maybe maybe baseball less than like a salary cap league like the NBA or, or the NFL, that the best of the best are still underpaid relative to their peers. I think LeBron James is worth more than he's paid. And People, I think fans hear that and they and they grimace, but because we are all accomplices here by spending money on tickets and by watching games, the pie grows so much. LeBron James is worth more money to the NBA within its structure than he makes right now. I yeah, agree I mean, with you. I mean, Pete, if if you grimace at that, think about where the money would go if it didn't go to the players. Yeah. So like, let's say there's a ten billion owners. There's a ten billion dollar chunk of pie. How much should LeBron James be worth, knowing that <laughs> but, he brings in all of the TV revenue? Right. But yeah, the difference right. in baseball exactly. is this: there's no justification to say be a good sport and help the team because of a salary cap. So mm-hmm. baseball is the one sport where mm-hmm. the gloves are off. I mean, there's no, there are no constraints. I don't, I don't need you in in basketball or hockey or football. You can always say, well, we really like you and we'd love to pay you more, but do you want your teammates to be good? Right, and sure. then your answer, well, is of course I do. And they say, well, then be a good guy. Baseball is the one sport where I can say, let's build something here. Yep. You're starting with me, and I don't care what you pay the, the rest of them, but you can pay them all as much as you want to because mm-hmm. there's no limitation. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing that Bryce Harper shops himself as is I want as much as I can get, and I want you to pay the rest of my teammates as much as they can get if you want me. Yeah, and I think the same is true of any elite player. And let's let's back this off for a second because your question of 10 years 250 million dollars who says no the twins are miguel sano i'm kind of curious if i'm sano where are the twins going are the twins going to take an off season off next year or two years from now as they sort of build to contention personally i don't think that they will but if i'm going to sign away 10 years of my future and Winning is important to me. Now, maybe it's not. Maybe some guys just want to make money and they don't care where they are. But I, I get the sense. important to him. I get the sense that Miguel Sano cares about winning a World Series. And so if that's the case, do you want to just sign over 10 years of your professional life? The best years of your professional life, by the way, before you have assurances of how good the team's going to be, how hard they're going to try to win year in and year out. Uh, Judd, you've contended over and over and over again that the Twins didn't exactly try really hard this offseason to set themselves up to win this year. Correct. I agree with that contention. And that's fine if you're in year one or two of a rebuild, but if you're talking Miguel Sano as a 27-year-old entering his prime, right now he's on an MVP pace. We'll see if that keeps up. But if you're that caliber of player, don't you care more about the team around you and, and maybe less about the dollars and cents and setting records and being paid $30 million a year, whatever the case is. I care a lot about the infrastructure, the environment around me. So maybe I'm coming to Judd's side of the argument. I might say no to that right now if I'm saying I actually, maybe this was a bad price point because for this particular one, I think both sides would have hesitations. For for the twin side, you got to see a little bit more. You want to know how long is he going to be at third base. Yep. I mean, with Joe Maurer, they thought he was going to be catching for the eight-year duration of that contract. I mean, if you would have asked them then, will he still be catching at the end of this? You'd say, probably, and then maybe we can revisit the positional thing if we sign into another contract. I want to know that Miguel Sano is going to play third base for at least a few years of this contract. Yeah. You're paying for his bat mostly if it's 10 years, $250 million. And we're making these numbers up if you're just joining us. Yeah. This is just a hypothetical. <laughs> this is not actually on the table. So on the Miguel Sano side, I would want to set myself up because I'm 23 now and I could hit free agency when I'm 27. I'd want to make money now if they're offering some money in the short term more than I would get ordinarily. I'd like to take that. 
I'd also like to give myself a chance to get another contract during my prime. So if I sign a 10-year deal, I'm out of that contract when I'm 33. I'm no longer in my baseball prime, which brings me to the second proposal. Who says no? Who says no? Six years, buying out two years of free agency. So he'd be 29 at the end of this contract, thus still in his prime, be able to sign a contract with someone else or with the Twins, but a big contract from like age 29 through 37. Six years, $100 million, $16 million a year. Six years, $100 million, and then at age 29, you're a free agent again. Who I'd says say, no? I'd say no if I'm Sano. It's not enough assurances. I mean, it's life-changing money, obviously, but when you're at that realm, you're not thinking about, you know, well, $100 million is enough for me and three generations of my family to retire forever and just go spend time making the world a better place. You're not thinking about that when you're in that realm. And it's <laughs> that last part. And especially if you're, well, that's what I'd do if I could just retire financially. I'd work hard to make other people's lives better. Anyways, with Sano and his agency, which is the other thing, you, you know, you just have to factor in. Remember, he, he booted his agent and signed with Jay-Z's Rock Nation. And I believe Rock Nation got Robinson Cano at age 31, 30, I don't a remember 10 how year deal with Seattle. Yes. Huge money to yeah, leave New York and go sign with the Mariners. And they also represent other big, big time clients. So it's not like some mom and pop shop trying to find a deal for their star client. It's Sano is in a portfolio of clients for them, and their job is to be ruthless and mercilessly seek every last dollar out of a contract. Now, within that context, you still have to make your client happy. And if if somebody just says, well, no, I want, I'll take the less deal to sign with the Twins because I love it here. Okay, well, as an agent, it's your job to then help that person get that deal. I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that you really look at it like this of, like, what does Sano want? I think you've got to wait and let the baseball landscape play out. You mentioned Bryce Harper. That's going to be a market-setting deal. Giancarlo Stanton was a market-setting deal. The other side of this is you can look at some of the guys who signed big deals before free agency. Will Myers, you mentioned, Phil. Think about Jonathan Singleton, right, a couple of years ago. Now, Singleton and Sano, not the same caliber of player. Sano's already leagues better than him, but... They signed Singleton, the Astros did, before he even reached the majors and were just signing one of those, hey, if we sign him to a long-term deal, give him a little assurance, give him some money up front, we could save money long-term. Singleton got optioned to the minor leagues, and now he's making that $10 million over several years or whatever to play in AAA. So there's risk associated with any of these pre-free agency contracts, but the bigger thing that I think about is, as a player, as a big-time agency with Jay-Z as sort of your front man, you're really going to take just kind of an earlier discounted deal just for a little financial security? I, I don't think so. I think the motivation would be there to hit free agency. I think you're right. And I think what I might what I might be tempted to do if I'm both sides is do uh, five years, buy out some of the arbitration years, and give him a bump. Uh, because I think if you do that, there's a feeling that at least you've established a negotiating relationship of sorts. Yeah. But, yeah, if you're the player in this case, you're going to be really reluctant to do something until until you see about the next two or three years of deals. Because if this kid keeps on the right course, and, and by the way, 
can play third base. Yeah. You're talking about a massive contract. Big, big money. And the one that you just mentioned, if you just buy out his team control year, so like the first six years of his career, yeah. that puts him in great shape because now he's hitting free agency 27, 28. He's looking at one of those mega deals. I am curious to see if these mega deals just keep escalating and escalating and escalating or if maybe we've hit some sort of bubble that's bound to pop in a couple of years. I have no idea. Well, actually, I'm not a baseball what? economist. but 2021. Will tell us because that's that's when these TV contracts come up. Sure, and there is a very good chance, unless we have found a new formula by then, there is a very good chance the ESPNs of the world are going to come back to baseball and say, "Sorry, we got something for you, but right. it's not what we were paying you." But I think I think the ESPN contract. It correct me if I'm wrong. It might be like five hundred million dollars a year, which is far less than the NBA and the NFL TV deals. Because most of the TV games are local, there there is national money that that increases the size of the pie. But it, it's not like the NBA and the NFL, where national money is driving the size of the regionals pie. aren't doing great now. Though I mean, there, there's been cuts there too as well. Until until television like us and newspapers figures out a way to to harness their income. It's going to be difficult. So I, I I think the days of the Diamondbacks' huge deal and Cardinals are going to go down as well. And if that happens, it's going to become a very big deal because a lot of these RSNs are paying the freight on contracts right now. Uh, optimism reigns with Derek Wetmore when we come back. And we can mix in some of your phone calls, too, on the Twins. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Paul will get to you when we come back. It's Mackie and Judd. Hey guys, before we continue on with the rest of this Touch em All podcast, it's Phil Mackey here for all of you Twin Cities area listeners to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Grab your batting balls. Mackie and Judd are back. Back on 1500 ESPN. Ready for another chance to earn points and score some amazing prizes? Your 1500 ESPN rewards. Listen and win code is revealed now. Collect points and grab prizes. 1500 ESPN rewards. 1500ESPN.com. 100 points for the code word today. You can use the points to enter to win. How about a $25 gift card to Chipotle? Today's code word for 1215 is contract. Contract, the code word. Contract. Enter correctly. And get rewarded for listening. 1500 ESPN Awards, 1500ESPN.com. How could you do this to me on a Monday? Oh, they played this crap at the game yesterday. I almost jumped out of the press box. They went back to back this, and then everybody clap your hands. You know what? I could actually take that way more than I can make your hands clap. Yeah. Fits in the tantrums would be very offended. Uh, you know what? Bleep fits in the tantrums. <laughs> he was so mad. He did that on purpose to me. He oh, yeah. did that on purpose There's to me. There's no question. We, we're alerted by a certain member of the Channel 5 uh, sports department that 
Might it might be a reaction if we played it today. We might have sources in the press box telling people who's... Oh, well, good job. Good job. You got a rise out of me. <laughs> so I was going to remain calm and blood pressure was going to be under control the entire show, and you got me. All right, we got some phone calls here. Derek Wetmore is hanging out with us from the Touch Em All podcast, 1500ESPN.com, all of our social media channels. We're talking big contracts. Would you look to lock Miguel Sano up to some kind of a mutually beneficial deal that takes out some free agency years. What would that breaking uh, even point be? And other twins items, if you want to chime in, 651-646-8255. Paul, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, to me, these contracts are absurd with baseball just because it's not a national sport anymore. I, I'm just shocked that you guys are talking about Bryce Harper, $400 million. I, I know they get these television contracts, but... Uh, it, it, I just shake my head. But pertaining to Sano specifically, or even in the future with uh, Falvey and, and Levine, do we expect them to pay big contracts uh, with the market we are in? They've never really done that before here except for Joe Maurer, and we've seen how that turned out. And if they don't plan on doing that, what's the benefit of drafting potential superstars knowing full well they may fly the coop after their early years are done. Is is it the hope of hitting the jackpot early and winning early before they leave? Otherwise, why draft them if you know they're going to leave? Well, well, you you need good players. So even if you only get six years out of a good player and then he goes somewhere else, if he wants to sign somewhere else, then you should still draft that good player. Or you could trade that player for some other asset. But... um, are they going to spend money was the first part don't, of the question. I don't know if we know that yet, but there is more don't money to spend. do you think, Derek, that, that when Falvey sat down with the, the poll ads, though, he probably asked that question? What's your intention? What's your plan? I mean, we your hope your hope is that sometime in the next three to five years, you have to go to Sonoma and Buxton and offer them ridiculous contracts, right? Sure. And if, I, and if, if you bring me in and I'm a young baseball executive to talk about your lead job, one of my questions is going to be, what's the plan there? Because yeah. if, if you say, well, we got these constraints and we can't do this, and both of them are probably going to leave, I'm probably going to say, yeah, does, you know, I can probably get a job where, where the answer would be different. Yeah, I think, I think Levine probably had more negotiating leverage there to say, why would I take this job? I could sure. wait around and get another GM job. Uh, Falvey, kind of a quick riser and really meteoric in the – the idea that now that he's running a baseball front office at 33, 34 years old. But, Paul, to your point on um, will they do it, I really think we have to wait and see. We're going to have two really good test cases here. Let's see what happens with Byron Buxton, but Sano's, Sano's the big one. I mean, I think to be a mid-market team, you still have to spend money strategically. You have to do it in a smart way. Like the Royals, still locked up. Sal Perez and Alex Gordon. Now, the Alex Gordon contract doesn't look great right now, but they had to pick. They basically said, okay, we went to two World Series. We won one of them. We've got this great core of young players coming up on free agency. You can stay, and you can stay, and if we have a bad summer next year, you're all gone. Yeah, And that's what you have to do. It's unfortunate, but if you're the Twins, that's the same spot you're in. You're just hoping you pick the right guys and that ownership does then step up to the plate and say, yeah, okay, we're going to get this done with the important critical players. Yeah, this is this is a paradigm shift for the, the baseball media and the fans in the Twin Cities to me. I think the responsibility is on all of the stakeholders who, who watch games and follow this team on a regular basis. 
You can either do one of two things, and the answer is obvious to me. You can continue to bang your head against a wall and complain about the fact that they don't spend money with the Giants and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the top eight or nine markets in baseball. That argument is going to be there every day. Sports talk, radio, social media, anytime you want to get in front of a microphone or a keyboard, you can complain that the Twins don't spend with the top seven or eight markets, Washington, D.C., Bay Area, and it's probably not going to change. And I would argue that based on the economics of baseball, it's unrealistic to expect that to change. Or you can pour your energy into rooting for the Twins to be more innovative, more creative, and find ways to beat those top teams under the radar. Like the Cardinals, who are very rarely, if ever, in the top ten in payroll because St. Louis is not a huge TV market. St. Louis isn't bringing in $200 million a year in a, in a local TV deal. The Royals just went to back-to-back World Series, won one of them, and never cracked the top 10 in payroll. They're league average right now. The Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. They're 17th in payroll. Indians, 18th in payroll. Pirates, 23rd in payroll. I mean, I could keep going down this list. You should be able to settle in between 12th and 18th in payroll, which in today's climate would put you in the 100 15 to $140 million range, somewhere in there per year, when you're ready to spend it. And if you're being creative and innovative and finding ways to win in the margins, you should be able to win a bunch of baseball games in a World Series or two with that structure. I think there's a big difference, though, in, in this conversation between the expectation that the Twins are going to go out and sign guys, which is, I don't think, going to happen. Uh, and between well, some guys, and between no, but I'm saying expensive players, and between saying we're going to retain the guys that right. we developed, which will cost you a lot, but will make sense. And you know more about that player; you've yeah. got a better history. I don't think they're ever going to go buy Zach Granke. Correct. But keep in mind, caller Paul, that 23 million dollars from first base is coming off the books after next year. That 23 million dollars can go a long way towards getting some of these contracts done, specifically Sano. Uh, I'm not saying that you know you pick a number and try to hit that number every year. It's probably going to go up and down, but it's not like the Twins are the sisters of the poor. It's not like they are stringing by on a 55 million dollar, yeah, They're not the Metro, yeah. 60 million dollar annual budget, and just hoping that they've got superstars in their first six years. They're they're going to be able to spend at least a little bit. In the coming years. Well, if you look at the recipe, Cardinals and, and Indians are great examples of this. And even the Royals have done this. They make a big trade for a Johnny Cueto or a Ben Zobris. But the Cardinals built almost everything from within, and they have for decades. But most recently, maybe 10 years ago, they went out, they supplemented big trade and a contract extension for a bunch of money, Matt Holiday. So that was, okay, we got money, not not $200 million, but we have money. And then the Indians went out and signed Mike Napoli a couple of years ago, and he winds up helping them last year. 651-646-8255. Hey, Howard. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. David, good afternoon. First of all, Snowwood should be seven years, 125 to 140, according to my friend who was involved in Stanton signing. Okay. Second, the complaint that I have on the Twins is their scouting and their minor league scouting and their drafting. We haven't developed a pitcher. Fifteen years, or maybe the, or maybe the last pitcher we had, we traded because he didn't get along with the manager. Someone's got to take the fall for this, and I think that's your minor league scouting or your college scouting, whatever you want to call it. Because look at who they drafted. They drafted Tyler J. They drafted 
Cole Stewart. None of these guys seem to be improving that much. Yeah, Cole Stewart has been, thanks, Howard, has been brutal this year. There's got to be some, I mean, he's been underwhelming in general, but this year he's walked a batter per inning. I got to think DL stint at some point. Did he have the shoulder stuff a couple years ago? Is that, I'm thinking the right guy. Howard, to your point, I'm wondering which comes first. Did you draft a guy who was destined to be an ace and you screwed him up in your development system? Or did you draft a guy never capable of that and even the best development in the world couldn't make him surface in the big leagues? I don't know the answer to that question, but if you're Derek Falvey, you need to know the answer to that question. You've Mm -hmm. got to figure this out and do it now because you've got the number one overall pick this summer. You don't want to repeat history with screwing some of these top pitchers up. Peter, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Derek Wetmore hanging out. Derek, is it really true the Twins are thinking about taking this... uh, McKay character and passing on Hunter Green. Sports Illustrated called him the LeBron James, like LeBron James of of uh, baseball. Would they really do something this crazy? I can't believe it. Also, I have a second question. Thank you. Yeah, just on McKay quickly, he's considered one of the top college hitters and top college pitchers, so definitely enticing. I don't know which way the Twins are going to go. It's like drafting two players. I'm also curious. It's like drafting Rick Ankiel. Probably not, because they're probably going to have to pick once they draft him. But I do, if McKay's viewed as the safer pick and going to be in the majors in a couple of years, I could see making an argument. Personally, until we wait and see what Sean Johnson is as a scouting director, probably just going to give the default uh benefit of the doubt to him over a staff of god bless them but sports writers figuring out who the next lebron james is it's sean johnson's job to figure out this guy whereas after that wonderful hunter green profile is done they move on and do another profile like us writers just don't know as much about baseball as people in the front office yeah i think it'd be fun the guy throws like 103 miles an hour in high school it'd be fun and then peter what was your second question yeah how come Ryan made such terrible trades the last three or four years? Hmm. My gosh, they, they, they were terrible. The Hicks trade, the other trades, it, it, it's like the guy lost it. What happened? It's a good question. I don't have the exact answer. He used to be the you know, highway robbery artist, right? We all, I think when it's all said and done, people are going to remember his A.J. Pruszynski trade as sort of defining his legacy. And... Haven't had many of those. First of all, they don't have those trades in baseball nearly as much anymore. That's the key. But when you're trying to trade from an area of uh, to an area of need from an area of surplus, you really got to get those right. And Hicks off to a great start this year with the Yankees, and we haven't heard John Ryan Murphy's name once. The problem with the Johan trade in retrospect was this: Bill Smith went to market with uh, two Terry examples. Right? Terry one was Knobloch. You get a bunch back. Yeah. Terry, too, was the uh, Przinsky trade. Yeah. And the problem was by the time you got to Santana, those trades weren't the same. And they're not. And so I really, this is why the problem when they realized Bill was not going to work, the problem was they didn't go outside at that point and say, we need to restructure this thing. They just went back to Terry. Well, Terry's magic by that point was sort of gone. It was uh, things had changed. The game had changed. It the is way weird trades seeing, were made had changed. It is weird seeing so it's the Sam Carlson kid, this high school stud who yeah. throws ninety three miles an hour. This uh, Minnesota kid, he's Terry Ryan's is scouting high school games. Yeah, I mean, Terry Ryan. It's it's so bizarre to see him around the Twin Cities. He shows up to Target Field, yeah. hat scouting hat on. I was talking to somebody this weekend and said that I don't agree with the contention that Terry has lost it. 
um, like lost his fastball and is no longer a valuable asset to a front office. I think the Phillies got a great hire. I just think that Terry sort of has his lane, and maybe it's the scouting lane. Maybe it's the relationships and business development, uh, you know, in terms of negotiating trades and that kind of thing. Maybe that's his lane. But now, when every other team in Major League Baseball has a CEO running the show, and then on top they also have scouting people, and they have analytics people, and a full staff built out there. One person or a small cabal cannot keep up with the pace of a small, growing business. When other teams are treating it like a business and have a CEO type, I think the Twins were smart to go get somebody like Derek Falvey who can sort of straddle that line. Terry, I still believe, a very valuable asset to a front office, but probably only in his lane, not necessarily this overseeing CEO type person. That was, that was never really Terry's personality. Yeah, it's, it's, the front offices have evolved. The business has evolved. The the way to go about evaluating players has evolved, and the Twins didn't. Until now, I like the direction they're going in. Thank you, Derek Wetmore. Thank you, guys. For uh, coming in here. You can find our podcast, Touch Em All. On iTunes, 1500ESPN.com, and Podcast One.